Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Awakening to our authentic selves as love leads us to letting go of who we think we should be and embracing who we actually are. Those are the wise words of intuitive psychologist Deborah Riebel. And on today's show, she's here to share some sacred practices to help us strengthen our connection to our heart center and our connection to others. Are you ready to meet her? Consciously merging her practical tools as a psychologist with her intuitive and spiritual gifts, intuitive psychologist Dr. Deborah Riebel empowers women to connect with their hearts and live authentically. Through her transformational soul-hearted living program, best-selling books, popular podcast, and her thriving practice, offering in-person and virtual sessions, Deborah supports women in breaking through their energetic and spiritual blocks to self-love. Now you can find out more about Deborah and her work at Dr. DrDebraRebel.com. Deborah, welcome to Out of the Fog. I am so excited to be here, Karen. This show is, is, I'm already excited because you said, you know, lighting, what lights you up. And I'm all about that because that's true connection to ourselves. So I'm very joyful and happy to be here with your audience. Oh, I'm glad you're here too. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about your own journey, about how you got to this place on the path? Well, my journey started in my late 20s, and it was interesting because I was at that time uh, a graduate student in psychology, and I was also pursuing a spiritual path as well. So these two paths really merged into one as I started training as a psychologist and then also becoming an intuitive and energy healer. What I didn't realize was I was I was actually using my own experience to really begin the, my my practices and what would actually end up being the sacred principles that I actually live by and actually also share with my clients. And it began with my own journey of of healing. Um, at that time, I was also a new mom. I was the mother of a son, and he was about two years old when I. When I started really going deep into my own my own um, experience with growing up and some of the things that had happened to me as a, as a child, and I never realized how much it was impacting my life until I had my own child. So I had lost my mother when I was eight years old. She had had a drug addiction problem and disappeared after oh about nine months after my father and my mother were divorced and we went to live with her and she just became more and more addicted to heroin and then tried to commit suicide. So we, we were given, my dad at that time was given custody of us uh, full time and I never saw my mom again from that moment. 
that she was taken away to a, um, a psychiatric facility. And at that time, they didn't know much about drug use and addiction. And so um, we never heard from her again. She uh, escaped with a fellow in, inpatient. And, and at this time, we didn't know until about five years ago, I was actually, uh, I had a client who was doing a lot of genealogy. And he offered to, you know, help with, you know, putting me in touch with some records and putting me on the path of, of actually finding my mom. And we actually were able to find her grave site in Colorado about what, just within the last five years. So coming full circle, I know what it takes to really go deep and to heal oneself. And when I was in that late 20s period, I didn't want anything to do with even talking about my mom. I would always talk about her being that she was just dead. And I never really dealt with any of the pain of loss, any of the pain of, at that time, feeling like I was really having a hard time, even with myself, feeling suicidal, feeling like that I'm not sure I'm, I'm being a good mother. And it was my own journey starting with therapy and going into my spiritual work that really brought me back to myself. So I come from a place of not knowing love to get to love. And, and that's kind of a, a, you know, it sounds like an oxymoron. But when, when I talk about really embracing self-love, it's going into oneself. It's going within to know that we always, started with love. We, we came into this life as love, energy. We didn't, and so when we heal, all we're doing is bringing that wholeness back into the light. And so that was my beginning of my journey to do that and then to start to teach others how to do it. And so it's been my mission, my message for now for the last, I would say, 25 years. So that's kind of the story, uh, Karen, in a nutshell. Um, feel free to ask any questions. Oh, sure. I, well, I've been reading your newest book, which is Being Love. Yeah. And part of what to me is so compelling in your story, and listeners, if when you pick up this book, you'll hear a lot more about Dr. Uh, Dr. Deborah Riebel's personal story uh, and, and all the all the things that she's gone through, the different transformations, and it's a very, this is a beautifully written, really good book. Um, but as I was reading the book, I was you were you say that we don't really know how to speak honestly about love and about being loved, and you alluded to that kind of separation, like the separation kind of from your mother, that mm-hmm. separation from understanding what love is. Why can't we talk about love and being loved honestly? And what would it be like if we did? Well, I my sense is love is. And I can say, speak for myself, I always thought love was outside me. Even growing up as a little girl and losing my mom so young, I looked for love in everyone else. Well, it was going to be my stepmom then, and I called her mother. And then it was going to be the teacher, and it was going to be my friend. And then it became, you know, the, the guy I was dating, and then eventually it was going to be my, my husband. Um, I looked for love to fill me, to fill that missing void that I, I wasn't filling myself. And so when we talk honestly about love, love is an energy. It's not, 
something outside of us that we have to seek. And when I started the journey of coming back into myself to connecting with myself and realizing I'm, I'm that source, it wasn't even my mom. Yes, she gave, you know, she was a, was a source of love at one point, but that love was just the reflection of me. And so when I started writing Being Loved, the most important thing I wanted everyone to embrace is you don't have to go outside of yourself and look for it in any other place. You start with yourself. You start by spending quiet time getting to know yourself, being your own companion, your own company, and being compassionate with that that company. And so for the first part of my journey, those late 20s, when I started this, I was asked to sit quietly and just be with myself, and that was the hardest thing I had ever done. My therapist asked me to just sit with myself and listen to what came up to to accept what feelings came up and to sit with that pain. I thought I was going to (laughs) run away and, and hide somewhere. But I started each day little by little and started to get in touch with myself, my own heart. I started to open it. And that brokenness came through. I, I recognized the feelings of, of abandonment, of sadness, of uh, rejection. All those feelings were coming forward. Shame. But as those things tumbled out, what was underneath all that was this energy that I, I am that embodiment of love. And it started to heal over time. And we come into that wholeness when we face our brokenness, when we, when we go into that vulnerability, that, that place of un, unbearable pain sometimes or shame or, or uh, anger, guilt, whatever that is, that is the, the throughway, that's the portal to coming into our own and coming into that space of love. Vulnerability can be confused sometimes with... Um with frailty or with weakness. And as I'm listening to you, I'm imagining a listener saying, I can't, I don't have it in me to be more vulnerable. I can't experience that pain. It'll break me. It'll crush me. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't sit with it. Believe me, I felt the same way. I remember the first time I sat in my chair, I have this chair and I still have it now in my basement, but it used to be the chair I would sit in and to come into that vulnerability, that, that sense of, of just myself and everything would come up. And the thing about it is it's, it's really when we go into our vulnerability, we're actually, it's a strength. It's not weakness, but it is, that is the way that we can get in touch with our feelings. And I didn't think I could do it either, but we start one little moment at a time. And we come into that place with, you know, with all of our, our, our brokenness. And we start to just allow that heart to open. I journaled. I, you know, I was sitting with candles lit. And I still have some of these same rituals. But that vulnerability, it, I know it's very difficult to sit with your pain. But once you start, it will start to get less and less. We have to basically die in the sense to come into our own life. And I call this experiential death. 
those patterns, that pain, all that stuff has to die so that the true being, the true love being that we are can come forward. I often um, work with students who are wanting to develop a spiritual practice and especially talking about wanting to develop a meditation practice. And one of the things that they say is that they just can't sit long enough. They get bored, they get distracted, they want to get up and wander away. And as you were sharing that anecdote from the book about being asked to sit with your vulnerability, I remember that you were saying that you would get distracted and get up and wander around, that you'd cut short the time of sitting, that you'd make an excuse, but you did sit down and you stayed through it. And I think there's a, there's a connection here between being willing to lean into our vulnerability, as you say, and that discovery of our own courage. Because when we go through that place and it actually doesn't swamp us, it doesn't kill us, it doesn't break us. When we go through that, go through that, when we stay on the cushion, even when everything else says run away, there's laundry to fold, there's something else could do to do. Couldn't you watch something on TV? When we sit, stay on the cushion or in the practice or with our vulnerability, it actually highlights our strength. There's death in that. Yes, but I, there's rebirth in there as well. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly why we have to do it. And you're right. It is. I remember sitting there wanting to do anything else but. But it was, it was that, that courage kicked in because I knew on the other side of it. I knew that there was going to be this release. And I sat through that release. And, it, you know, I thought I was going to die at one point. But again, I didn't die. It just was the experiential death of my feelings and of the, of the past is what death died. It wasn't me. I, you're right. I came into my own birth and that birth was then a, a, a transformation. And it's, it was the first one. The, the hardest part is that very first time when you break through, when you break through that barrier of, I don't want to feel that. I didn't want to feel my mother's, the pain I had and my mother's loss because I had never felt it before. I had closed that door and I never wanted to go there. But that was the opening to me. And it was the opening to the, what would then take on the transformative journey I have been on ever since. And I'm so grateful that I had someone to guide me and I had the courage to continue to do this. Um, and it's, it really is, it does set you free. And, and, and then the transformations become ongoing. The, you don't stop because you have a breakthrough. It's just then these little, these breakthroughs can continue on as a series of births and deaths as we continue to grow and transform ourselves. One of the things I like about the book about being love is that you include at the end of each section, practical exercises that we can do. I love stuff like that. Books you can write in, books you write. I love it. Can you share some exercises with the listeners to help, maybe help them get started leaning into vulnerability, especially for people who feel like they've locked this all down for a reason and they don't want to, they're nervous about what will happen if they lean in? Yes. I, I, for me, I'm a very practical person. I, I like the, I'm a former teacher. So <laughs> in my, my previous career, I was an elementary and special ed teacher. So I always had a lesson plan. And that always made it possible for me to then guide others. So I always feel that practices are really important. I still have, I use spiritual practices every day. And for me, and what I recommend is that, you develop a ritual with any 
spiritual practice that you're going to start because you need to make it into a, a healthy um, routine. And so uh, one of the things with, with that I do is I get up every morning and I start with a gratitude practice, whether I, I lay in my bed and I just put my hand on my heart and I open my heart, I just feel my the energy there and I just close my eyes and I'm grateful for just opening my eyes and being alive. And whatever else then comes forward. Gratitude is an energy of love. And when you start your day in gratitude, you are starting in that energy and it sets a tone like if you were to you know, take a tuning fork and strike it. It puts that vibration out. That vibration, when it's in your heart center, which is the energy around your heart, it cannot have anything else but love at coexist with it. So fear, guilt, anger, any of the negative more emotions cannot exist in the same space. So it begins that day in that place. Then I usually light a candle as a way of setting intention to go into a quiet, either a quiet space of meditation where I don't have any sound on, or I may have, you know, a meditation music playing in the background, or I may have a guided meditation, or I may just sit in quiet. My journal is right next to me. And that journal is there for after I've sat with myself and I've allowed my feelings to come up, I want to be able to write and and be able to follow that through. But the the thing I do in meditation, what I do when I'm sitting in that chair or on, on the floor, wherever I am, I put my hand on my heart as a cue to say, direct your energy there. And then I breathe in and out slowly, and I try to focus my energy and my breath at my heart. And each breath I take, I open my heart even wider and let whatever feelings come up. Now, at first, that's the scary part because everything comes up. <laughs> and it's it's not all, you know, fun and, and, and it's it can be really scary. But let the feelings come up and let them release. So if sadness comes up, if anger comes up, if pain or guilt, anything, and let it just come forward. And keep coming back to your heart and opening again, expanding it. And then put, start to feel, you know, visualize a pearl of white light that that is you. That's your energy and put it in the center of your chest and just see it filling your entire heart center, entire body. And then in that place, start to see yourself in that energy. Find something positive that you can see, that you can, that you can speak to yourself. Mantras are really good at this time too. I am love. I am light. I am enough, more than enough, you know, anything that seems to be really pertinent to your particular, your particular issue or pain at that time. So those are some of the practices that I guide people through just to get them started in this process. You said a little bit about the, about the heart center and about that being such Mm -hmm. a powerful place. And you say a little in the book about some of the science behind, because there is science behind the power of the heart mm-hmm. center. Can you share a little of that with the listeners? 
Yes. Um, the reason I use, and I came up with the word soul-hearted to describe the, the practices that I use, is because the heart center is the center to our, our soul, to the place that the energy that really gives us the blueprint of why we're here, what are, who we are. And so the heart center is like the gateway. And the science behind it now, they've been studying the vibration of the heart center, that it actually has its, its own like brain. It has its own, not in a physical way, but its own intelligence. And it, when, we get, when we open our hearts and we come into that beautiful energy of love and light, what happens is we bring our whole body into what's called coherence. So we, the energy of the heart center starts to, to go, to filter into every cell, every tissue, every organ, into our energy field, and our entire body comes into this beautiful balance of harmonious coherence. When that happens, we have less stress, less anxiety, less depression. We are in this, this place of peace, balance. And when that happens, it also strengthens our immune system. It helps us bring, it brings clarity to, you know, problems or issues we might be having, questions we may have. It also heightens our spiritual intuitiveness. So at that time, we're much more open to maybe information that's coming in. I like to say divine downloads and any kind of you know, information that may be coming from just uh, aha experience and intuition, uh, an inkling. So it, the science behind opening the heart is becoming much more supportive of this practice. That this is the throughway to our to our soul, to who we are, and that energy then can be brought into our human experience and expressed is our, our potential. And that coherence, at, le- at least as I believe that when you have that inner kind of balance, and of course it's never like, oh, look, it's balanced. I'll never think about this or adjust it again. But as we come into that place of, of balance, it also then can express itself outward. All of a sudden there can be coherence in our outward life, in the physical world, in our relationships, right relationship with our partner and the community and my dog and my boss and all of that, that inner coherence then brings outer coherence as well. Not that everything is perfect, but things make a lot more sense when you're coming at it from that centered place. Oh, absolutely, Karen, because that's where it, that's what's healing, going to heal the planet at this time, because that's why it's being loved, how loving ourselves can create ripples of transformation in our relationships and in our world. When we are in that harmonious coherence of love energy, that vibration is affecting everything in our path, which means every person, everything, every creature, and there's a vibration that is lifting. It's, it's raising the consciousness of, you know, wherever we are. And so that's why it's so important that if we just worked on ourselves and 
became that beautiful higher frequency of energy by just opening our hearts and and bringing that love energy into every aspect of our lives, we would heal our world. It doesn't take, you know, more than that if everyone did that. That collective energy would raise the vibration on this planet so quickly. And that's why you're hearing about all this now. People are, you know, in collective meditations across the globe, raising the consciousness of of the world into this energy of love. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking talking with Dr. Deborah Rebel. Why can't I say your name? Dr. Deborah Rebel. See, it was easy. Her new book <laughs> is Being Love, How Loving Yourself Creates Ripples of Transformation in Your Relationships and in the World. You can find out more about Dr. Rebel and her work at drdebrarebel.com. That's D-R-D-E-B-R-A-R-E-B-L-E dot com. When we come back after this short break, I'm going to ask Deborah just to say a little bit about how we can learn to trust ourselves and let go, what it means to step outside our comfort zone, and how doing that, stepping into that expansion, can help us find, attract, and generate love in the world. We'll be right back after this. disaster struck right now what would you and your family do first would you stay where you are or leave what if you and your family were separated would your kids know what to do how would you get in touch with them if your cell phone isn't working or the subways aren't running don't wait until a disaster strikes to figure it out it's your responsibility to make a plan for you and your family ahead of time to learn how Take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, forcing you to make quick decisions at every turn to teach you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Without a plan, it's like you're putting your family in a disaster. Visit nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. A public service announcement brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. The Empower Meditation Channel. Non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. 
For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit twomen2x.org. That's twomen2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Hey, Mom. Why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced 21? Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But you don't have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Why are there 50 states? There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question answered. Why is pizza round? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. I'm talking with Dr. Deborah Rebel. Her new book is Being Love. How Loving Yourself Creates Ripples of Transformation in Your Relationships and in the World. You can find out more about Deborah and her work at drdebrarebel.com. That's D-R-D-E-B-R-A-R-E-B-L-E.com, drdebrarebel.com. And I also invite you to check out my website, which is karenhager.com. And I would love to know what you think of what you're hearing on the air today. Are there ways in which, through leaning into your own vulnerability, you've had experiences that opened you up, that allowed you to feel that divine love moving through you and into the other people and situations in your life? Or are you struggling with, afraid to, sit into that vulnerability, afraid to let go? You can always reach me with your questions and your comments, your musings at karen at karenhager.com. Now, Deborah, right as we were going into the break, we were talking about the importance of leaning into that vulnerability, of working on ourselves, even at a time when everything seems disconnected. And I know that you believe in the importance of of trusting ourselves and of letting go. That's so hard to do. How can we do that with courage, but also with compassion for ourselves? It is hard, and it's probably the hardest thing that we face as, as human beings is trust, trusting ourselves, trusting others, and trusting ourselves to be vulnerable with not just within our own self, but with other people. And my feeling is that trust and letting go go hand in hand. They're synergistic. So we build trust within ourselves and with others by letting go. So a lot of times, many people will say or experience that they start to feel like they can trust themselves or another person because they've let go of something. Um, they've had an experience where they had to let go and trust, and then they feel much more empowered or much stronger. Um, I know in the in the book I talk about an experience I had when I was, I'm, I'm actually a scuba, I'm a scuba diver <laughs> as, of, as of a few years ago. And I was very afraid to, to take that risk because I had had a, an experience as a child of being, having a pillow placed over my face and felt almost suffocated. So anytime I would go under the water, I was very afraid that I was not going to be able to breathe. So my husband encouraged, you know, he wanted to, me to learn to die so we could do this together. And we went on a, a, a trip to um, the, the Fiji 
islands and where we I started to take diving lessons. And when I had to go under the water with the equipment, the the mask and the tank and not the I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to breathe. And it took trusting not just myself, but the my guide, the person who was teaching me. And I needed to feel that he was trustworthy. And every time he took me through one more step of the experience of the safety procedures we had to, we had to learn, I became, I started to feel like I could trust him because I felt trust within myself. And so finally, every time I would go under the water, I would just say, relax and release, let go and just focus on something other than your breath. You know, like breathe, but look at the fish, look at look at his eyes, find that focal point where you can you can feel that connection. And connection is to me one of the hallmarks of trust. And I like to say trust in our connection to our source, which for many people can be a divine source, it can be a source of love within them. It can be, you know, God, uh, any kind of spiritual connection. But that connection that we can have within ourselves to a higher power, to an energy, that's, that's when we can truly let go because we know that then in that space, we are all one. So we're one with that energy. We're one with the connection with ourselves. And then we can let go into that space and, and, and whatever we need to. I'm relating that to the coherence that you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. because it, at least part of what I hear in my work is that people are afraid to trust because they think if they trust, it means that nothing will ever go wrong again. And of course, something will go wrong again. It always goes wrong again, right? We disappoint ourselves. We step away sometimes from our divine connection. Other people disappoint us or betray us. To me, that trust that you're talking about is not, I trust that nothing will happen. It's that I trust myself and my courage and my resourcefulness so that whatever happens, because I am coherent, I'm in sync with my experience, so that whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. And that, to me, that's what trust is. But we kind of put that false thing of trust on top of it. Do you know what I'm getting at? Oh, absolutely. Because trust doesn't mean things don't happen. Exactly what you said. Trust means that I am prepared to handle whatever comes my way. That's what I trust more than anything, that in connection with my source, in connection with others, in connection with wherever I happen to be at any particular time, I know I'm prepared. That anything that's, and I also trust, my biggest trust is anything that comes into my life is there for me to grow. So I know that every scenario, anything that has been placed in my path, I'm the, I can handle and I'm prepared to because it's for my, my greatest and highest good. And so now I, when I see some, something that, you know, something comes in that I think, oh, here, I have to deal with this now. This, after that first reaction of, oh, gosh, here we go, I say, okay, you know that you got this. You have everything you need to deal with the situation. Now, one step at a time, one wobbly step at a time, but make that first step. See, trust comes from practice. 
It doesn't come. I always say there's no part trust. You don't just, you don't have half trust. Trust is fierce. It's, it's whole. It's total. It's all in. And so that all in may be that first step to say, okay, I'm going to make that move. Even if it's just to get up out of the, out of the bed in the morning and, and, you know, start my day if I'm feeling depressed. But it comes from one choice after another and knowing that we have it. We can deal with it. And then as you continue to make those choices, you start to feel empowered because you see that things are starting to move. Things are transforming. Things are starting to change. And that builds our trust. Then we can look back on those moments, which I always tell my my clients, make a list. Everything that you thought you didn't know that was going to have a, a positive outcome that seemed like it was negative at first, write it down so that when you get into that moment again where you're going, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. And you have to let go, go to that list and say, did I let go here? And look what happened. I let go here and look what happened. So you build this, like, you know, having this trust list of all the experiences so that it helps you in the, in the times when you're stretched even further. You talk in the book a lot about um, our intimate relationships, about couple relationships, and that trust about building a safe haven of love in a relationship and trust in a relationship, that's not about trusting blindly, is it? It's about trusting with your eyes wide open. Absolutely, Karen. I always say I have to trust myself in the choice I'm making with that person. It's not blind trust, I just trust you just because you're here. I'm trusting myself that I'm bringing you into my life. Mm. I'm trusting myself for whatever that purpose is. It may not, it may be to see that I can't trust you. (laughs) You know, it it may be just to see that this person is not right for me as a friend, as a partner. But the trust comes from, from I see myself and I can see whether you're trustworthy. So it's not outside of ourselves. It's within ourselves. I often talk to people who are wanting to, to kind of um, pull love into their life, uh, attract the one, their partner, mm-hmm. people who want to pull love to them with the idea that once they have it, then that fixes that. Oh, my thank goodness, I'm done with that. And it fixes it. What, what do you say to people who are on the quest to pull love in in this way? Well, I, I agree with you, Karen. It's, it's, again, that seeking love outside ourselves. What I say to people is, if you want that kind of love, then you have to be that love with yourself. You have to embody it. So I have a young woman right now that I'm working with who has had some very pretty difficult relationships. She's in her late 20s, early 30s. And some of them have been abusive. And she wants that soulmate. She wants that connected, I call soul-hearted relationship. And I said to her, but you don't even know how to do that with yourself yet. So right now, you need to be that with yourself. You need to date yourself. You need to go out with yourself. You need to be in relationship with yourself. So you have to embody the love that you seek. 
is to treat yourself with the same loving kindness and compassion that you would want from someone else in your life. You do that, and that energy now starts to generate. And that person will be pulled into your energy field, as you know, Karen, talk energy, will be attracted to you because this energy is beaming out of you so brightly and so magnificently, they won't be able to not come in. So it's like casting out this beautiful golden thread, you know, from the heart center saying, I know who I am, I'm loved. And I'm treating myself with love. So therefore, that vibration is going to bring in that person or people into my life as relationships that reflect that, that magnify that. How do you define or or think about unconditional love and relationship? I know there's a way of thinking about that that says unconditional love means my partner can walk all over me and I won't do a thing about it. That's, mm-hmm. that would, that's not unconditional love, is it? No, no, that's no boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, there is a misnomer that unconditional love is we let anyone do anything. Unconditional love, I just take it apart and I say love, pure love has no conditions. Meaning, I don't place a condition on a person to be anything that they're not. I accept them fully for who they are. Now, what that means is I accept myself fully for who I am. Therefore, I have to have the same respect for myself as I do that person. So, it, you know, pure love without conditions allows both people in relationship to express their highest, you know, their their highest and fullest self authentically. So there, there's boundaries there. So I don't push you to be what you're not and you don't ask me to be who I'm not. I, you know, I love you just the way you are and I, and I but I love you because you're growing and, and transforming your own life. But, but I'm not putting pressure on you to do that. So the, the, there's no conditions. Many people grow up in families where they're expected to, to be or act or behave a certain way, and so we don't know how to express ourselves authentically. We think it has to be within a certain role or a certain way that um, we follow you know, from our family or from friends or in you know, school. And those are conditions to, you know, to be a certain way. And then when we take the conditions away, we get to express ourselves in the best way possible. In the relationship, in in that kind of context of love with boundaries but without conditions, in a relationship where trust has been betrayed, where there's been a violation, how can that, how can that be then repaired and restored? Well, honestly, Karen, sometimes it can't be. Mm. Um, sometimes the damage is too much. And one or more, you know, one or both people cannot recover or, you know, start a new relationship from that point. What I like to counsel people or guide people is if there has been that kind of betrayal or breach of trust is, first of all, there has to be some very deep forgiveness that 
that takes place on, you know, that that person has to, it's not forgiveness meaning that the behavior is condoned, but it's forgiveness of letting it go and being able to heal from that. And that means both parties have to accept responsibility, even if it's, say, an affair. There still is both people in the relationship that contributed to the situation that led to that. So there has to be some deep forgiveness that goes on on both ends. And when the, the, to the couple or the friendship or the people are going through this process, They have to begin the relationship after this forgiveness process as if it were the beginning, a new relationship. Because if you keep bringing the past back in and referring back to the old wound or the old breach or betrayal, then it taints the present and into the future. So it really has to be like, I see you for the first time, you know, and I, 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 and we need to start from this new point. And that's not very easy for most people to do. I always say it's, it's, you know, it's, saying, it's saying goodbye and saying hello at the same time. Hmm. Saying goodbye to the past, but then opening to the, 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 this new beginning. Um, it takes a real clean slate, and that means a lot of healing that has to take place. Can you share some practical exercises to awaken or deepen love between partners who, for example, I've been with my partner for 30 years. It's a long time. A lot changes in 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. We both grow and change. For those of us who are already partnered, can you share some exercises to deepen that love to help us see each other for the first time again? One of the, the exercises that I do with couples, and I actually do it sometimes in my workshops or even just when I'm giving a, a very short talk is so it can be with, you know, people who've been together for a long, long time or people who've just met, but it's you sit across from another human being, another person and take each other's hands. And if you're new, you know, this is a relationship that's, you know, your intimate partner, you know, holding hands and looking into each other's eyes and holding that gaze for as long as you can. Now, if you're new to each other, you might not hold hands, but you could still maintain maintain that eye contact. And when you're gazing into each other's eyes, there's no you're doing this in silence. And then you're opening your heart to each other. So as you're looking into each other's eyes, your your heart is opening, and that energy of love starts to move back and forth. So it's being exchanged. And as you do this, you're deepening the connection to the soul. And I like to call this, this practice soul gazing. So you're really gazing into another person's soul. Well, that deepens intimacy. It also starts to soften any kind of barriers or guards that have been put up. And you, start to see them maybe even for the first time in a, in a way that you may never have before. I did this recently at a um, book signing that I did in October and I just had the people in the room do it and they, some of them knew each other, some of them didn't. And I had people in tears saying it was the first time in their lives that they actually felt 
seen. Mm. That somebody was was paying attention or seeing them in a way that they had never been felt before. And the love that came through. Because when we're open like that, we're not shutting down that energy stream. It's just happening. It comes through naturally. And then we receive and give in this beautiful tandem of energy. So that's what I would recommend, Karen. (laughs) You can do it (laughs) with your partner, maybe even this evening. That's a beautiful... um... I'm just going to say coherence every five seconds. There's a beautiful yeah. coherence yeah. between it, that it practice and yeah. this, the spiritual truth that as we are spiritual beings in divine light, we are at once seeing and being seen. And it feels to me like part of what you're describing in your book about the practice of being love is allowing ourselves to see ourselves and to let ourselves be seen by others. Yeah. As we really are, not as how someone told us we should be or how we thought it was going to turn out or how Absolutely. we wish we would be, right? That yeah. seeing and being seen is immensely powerful. It's so powerful. Imagine, just imagine for a minute, if every time we met someone and they were a stranger and we, and we, and we saw them, even for a second, and we met someone else and we did that, and we, we started to do this internationally, <laughs> and we you know it would it would create such a shift in the energy on the on the planet it would raise the vibration because we would start to feel that oneness of energy of and that's of all of us being connected we wouldn't see this color of our skin we wouldn't see the religion we wouldn't see the nationality we wouldn't see our our whether we're male or female, we wouldn't see the, our clothing. All that would just drop away, and we would see each other's soul, and that would connect us in love. So you're absolutely right. It's being seen and and seeing. So it's loving and being loved simultaneously. Can you let the listeners know how they can connect with you? Where can they find the book? What will they find on your website? How can they learn more about you and about the work that you're doing? Well, if you go to the website, which you so graciously suggested, it's com. You will find, I write a, a, a weekly blog, and many of these topics are captured in the blogs. There are podcasts. I think there's now almost 100 of them. And you, we have a weekly podcast that goes up, and you can listen to those. I have four heart-opening meditations that you can download. And three of them are about 20 minutes long. One is five minutes for the busy woman. And it's just to get you into in tune with the heart coherence that we're talking about, to open to your intuition, to open yourself to love, to begin that, that journey. So they're there on the website as well. And all of my books, our Soulhearted Partnership is, is on the website. Being Love and Soulhearted Partnership are both on Amazon.com as well. And they we just released Being Love also in Kindle. So it just came out this week, actually. So you'll find all those um, all those different materials at your you know for your um, pleasure on the on the website or on or in Amazon. 
How is your work as an intuitive psychologist different from being just a sort of garden variety psychologist? Well, I work energetically. So my clients who come in to work with me know that I have both the training as a psychologist, but my the gift that I use is, is my intuitive sense. So I will I, I work with the energy that that goes on between the two of us. So if I get information, you know, intuitively I, I share that information and that guides the session to whatever changes or transformations need to occur. Um, sometimes I do it in just in talking and sometimes it's through guided meditation, uh, energy work. It, it depends on whatever the particular client needs at that, not at that time. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. And it's, you have a, a message here that especially applies in this disconnected time that we live in. Don't you feel this is the perfect message for this time? I feel that's why I wrote. I, I felt like being loved chose me. I didn't choose to write it. Honestly, Karen, I didn't, I didn't know if I had it in me to write another book after the first one. But I couldn't. I, I, I felt that I had to fulfill that calling because it is so important right now that we all come together and we work on ourselves to raise this beautiful vibration to this loving energy so that we heal our world. It's, it can't, it's, it's so important at this time. It's imperative that we do it. And so I felt that message had to get out. And so I was very fortunate that I was encouraged by a publisher to, to, to finish the book and, and get it out as soon as possible. So thank you for, you know, encouraging uh, this message by, you know, having me on your show. Well, thank you for sharing the message for being love. Thank you for being here. That's Dr. Dr. Deborah Rebel. Her new book is Being Love, How Loving Yourself Creates Ripples of Transformation in Your Relationships and in the World. You can find out more about Deborah and her work at drdebrarebel.com. That's D-R-D-E-B-R-A-R-E-B-L-E.com. And of course, karenhager.com is where you can find out what's coming up next on this program. You can get in touch with me, find out about private quest- uh, sessions and events. You're also very welcome to send your questions and your feedback to me, Karen, at KarenHager.com. If you believe, as I do, that when we come together with collective intention for peace and for change, we can turn any tide, we can make a difference in the world, I invite you to check out OpenPeacefulHeart.com. That's where you can sign up for a monthly free guided meditation where people from around the world come together to focus on peace and love. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.